Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome into the house of the Lord on this beautiful snowy day. We're proud of you for making the drive through the snow. Hopefully the roads were looking okay for you guys by the time you headed out this morning. We are just excited to be with you. We are looking forward to our time together. We're expecting of God to move in mighty and beautiful ways as he always does. And so we're glad that you've chosen to come out and spend some of your morning in worship with us. I'd love to invite you to stand as you're able in body or in spirit for a call to worship. And our call to worship for today comes from a book in the Old Testament called First Chronicles. And this is a song of praise sung by King David. And he sings this. He says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So let's worship him with glory. Do his name this morning. Let's put our hands together today. Heaven thundered and the world was born. Life begins and ends in the dust you form. Faith commanded and the mountains move. Fear is losing ground to our hope in you. Sing unstoppable God. has overcome mercy triumphs when the third day dawns darkness was denied when the stone was gone sing it out unstoppable God let your glory go on and on impossible things in your name for our God. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. So we'll shout your praise forevermore. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom 
We're going to put those hands together again this morning. We're going to sing out this prayer. The words Jesus taught us to pray. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here. Jesus, Jesus. 
Our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Philippians, and this is a letter written by Paul and Timothy to the church in Philippi, and they are encouraging the brothers and sisters in the faith with these words. They write this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This mind is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every Name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is what we are here to proclaim together today, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's continue worshiping him with our all this morning. words together. In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running. There was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets. To a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. And so we praise his name together. Sing praise the Father. Praise the Father. Praise the Jesus, for our sake, you die. 
Jesus, we worship you. We praise you. We give you all of the honor and the glory and the worship and the adoration. As best as we can, we bring you everything that we have. We bring you everything that we have, Jesus. We lay down our lives before you. You are the king of kings. You are the one seated on the throne. And we join our voices with that everlasting song singing, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. You are worthy. You are worthy forever to receive honor and power and glory. And so you are worthy to receive all of us. Our hearts, our minds, our attention, our time, our energy. We lay it all down before you, Jesus, because you are worthy. I lift up each heart, each family, each story represented in this room. Such unique and beautiful and sometimes heartbreaking stories are represented here. And you know them all. You're the author of them all. And you are near to each one. Father, I lift up those who feel far from you today. I lift up those who it was everything they could do to get out of bed this morning. I lift up those who are grieving, who are struggling. And I lift up those who are doing really well, who are looking for you in the small moments of their life and who are seeing beauty 
and success and health. God, you're with us in those good moments and you're with us in our valleys too. And so for anyone here who's doubting your goodness, who's doubting your presence, Holy Spirit, impress it on our hearts that you are near to us, that you've not gone anywhere. You are so for us. You are present to us. You are drawing us to yourselves. And so we rely on you, Holy Spirit, this morning to open our eyes so we can see you so clearly. Open our ears to hear your voice like we've never heard it before. Open our hearts. We cannot do it on our own. Open our hearts, Lord, we pray, to receive from you what you have today, that we might leave here changed, transformed, empowered, equipped, encouraged to go out into this world that so desperately needs you. Father, every bit of this is for you. Every breath, every moment, every word is for you and your glory. So do what you will. Do what you will in this place, we pray. We trust you with our time. We trust you with our hearts. We pray all of these things in the matchless name of our risen and ascended King Jesus who's seated on the throne. It's for him that we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. We're so glad you're with us today. My name is Richard. I'm the lead pastor of Springbrook. And if this is your first or second time with us this morning, uh, we're glad that you are with us. Um, if you're a regular tender of Springbrook, we're glad you're here as well. Um, you've got a connection card that's in your chair. And if you could just uh, take a moment during the service at some point to fill that out, you can put your name, uh, the names of any adults that are with you. Uh, there's a place for you to drop that off in the back on the way out this morning. Uh, but if we can pray for you, if you've got any questions about our ministry or about our uh, service this morning, uh, just write those questions down and we'll uh, follow up with you next week. But we're glad you're with us this morning. Hey, I uh, just wanted to encourage you. We have our uh, new series we're going to be kicking off next week. Today we're finishing up our Psalm 119 series. Yeah, it's been encouraging to see how many of you have been through the study guide, worked through the study guide. I've uh, been a part of that Bible reading plan. It was really fun to see, uh, just comment along with others as they were reading along. And so uh, we're glad that you've been with us through this series. Today's the last day for Psalm 19, uh, 119, and then next week we're kicking off a series through Proverbs. And so we're going to be kicking off a new series called Walking in Wisdom, and so we're going to have some fun with that. We have a study guide that's available for that series as well. It's out in the lobby. After the service, you can pick one of those up. It's a great resource to use if you're in a small group or if you just want to do that on your own. It's a great opportunity to do uh, maybe with your family. Uh, so we'll kind of follow along with that uh, series as we're kicking off that next week. And so you can pick one of those books up. And so, But if you have any questions, just visit our website, springbrook.org slash wisdom. Uh, we'll have a Bible reading plan that goes along with the series as well. And so we're going to have some fun with that. Uh, let us know if you have any questions about that. And then also next Sunday, we have our annual meeting, 26 years of God's faithfulness we're going to be celebrating uh, here at Springbrook. And so if you have not picked up a copy of your annual report, uh, you want to be sure to do that today. They're out at the uh, Ministry Center counter. Uh, we want to invite anybody that's interested in our ministry to pick one of those up. And everybody is in, in, uh, encouraged to come to our annual meeting. We're going to have a time celebrating God's faithfulness. We're going to be affirming some new elders and elder terms in our budget. And uh, we'll have some refreshments. We're going to be hearing stories of uh, life change and just celebrating God's faithfulness. And so we invite everybody to come out. Um, our members will have an opportunity to refer from our budget and our new elders. Uh, but if you have any questions about that, just go to our website, springbrook.org slash celebrate, and it's on your app as well. And if you're not able to be with us, uh, there's a place for you to be able to vote um, online as well. And then, uh, guys, No Regrets is uh, kicking off in two weeks. And so if you have not yet registered, uh, this is the last day to register to get your free T-shirt. <laughs> and so we've got some fun stuff for guys. Uh, if you are interested, um, we'll have uh, men 
uh, around our region, a lot from Springbrook uh, coming together to be encouraged in their faith. We've got a great lineup of speakers and, and workshops. And so if you have not registered yet, um, you'll want to do that today to make sure you get that free t-shirt. You're going to want that t-shirt. And so you know, that's, that's an incentive, you know, to register early. So don't wait too long. But if you haven't registered, uh, you can do that at springbrook.org slash no regrets. The great opportunity to invite friends, family members, coworkers. Uh, right now, I think we've got over uh, almost 40 guys that are registered. And so, um, yeah, I would encourage you, if you have any questions about that, um, just visit the website or our app. And then also, today is uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday. And so churches across the, the nation are celebrating uh, just the sanctity of life. Um, a lot of churches are known for what they're against, right? Um, but at Springbrook, we are for choosing life. We believe that life begins at conception, that God has a plan for each individual beginning at creation. And so uh, we want to help people make wise choices about pregnancy. And so if you or someone you know has questions about uh, maybe a pregnancy and they have questions about what to expect and maybe it was unplanned, uh, we have a partnership with Informed Choices. And uh, Informed Choices is a strategic partner for us to help couples that are navigating uh, through decisions about what to do with an unplanned pregnancy. And so we want to encourage you to, uh, uh, to visit their website. You can go to our website, springbrook.org slash bottles. Uh, we've got some information about Informed Choices there as well. We have two uh, people in Springbrook that actually work in Informed Choices. We have a lot of volunteers. And so Informed Choices is a, is a strategic ministry partner for us in terms of helping people to make the right decision, the wise decision about, uh, about life and where it begins. And so, um, and then if you know somebody that maybe has already had an abortion or is struggling with that, um, they've got some resources available as well. They've started a new ministry called Surrendering the Secret. Uh, where they can work with uh, ladies and guys that have you know, maybe made some decisions they're kind of struggling with. Uh, but we want to help people make the right decisions going into it. And so I want to encourage you to stop by and pick up uh, one of the baby bottles. Um, we'll be taking up an offering uh, over the next couple of weeks. You can fill that with your change or checks, or you can go to our website as well. Um, but it's just a privilege for us to be able to have a, a partnership with a ministry uh, that is uh, behind and supporting one of the values that we find uh, important to us here at Springbrook as well. So if you have any questions, uh, please let us know. We're going to watch a video, uh, just a brief testimony uh, from uh, some people that have been connected with Informed Choices, and then Pastor Matt's going to be out in just a moment. I want to thank you for being with us this morning. Hello, my name is Sarah Vanderlip, and I'm the Executive Director of Informed Choices. I'd like to share with you a little bit about what happens in our pregnancy centers each week. The pregnancy test instructions said to wait five minutes. So she checks the time, then checks it again and again. All the while her mind is racing. She worries about how her boyfriend will feel and how her parents will react. She's concerned about finishing her education, finances, and her future. She doesn't feel ready to be a mom, but the pregnancy test shows she's pregnant. Unable to process the possibility, she takes another pregnancy test in hopes of a different result. By the time that test shows positive as well, she's desperate to fix this situation. She thinks maybe she could just take the abortion pill. Typing in a Google search for abortion pill information, she finds an Informed Choices ad and sends a text to schedule an appointment. When she comes to Informed Choices in Grays Lake or Crystal Lake, she's walking into a safe, confidential place where she isn't judged or pressured. It doesn't matter if she's 14 years old or 40, single or married, a student or already a mom, no matter what her life circumstances, 
We understand an unplanned pregnancy can be stressful. We are here to walk with her through this journey. An advocate will meet with her to learn about her concerns and provide her with truthful information about all her options, abortion, adoption, and parenting. A nurse will perform a lab quality pregnancy test, and then she may receive an ultrasound to determine how far along she is. Often, women say that seeing her baby on the ultrasound, seeing the flicker that is her baby's heartbeat, that is the moment it became real. Fathers are encouraged to be present for that ultrasound, and male advocates are available to meet with soon-to-be fathers along their journey to fatherhood. Amen. Well, we are so grateful that we as a church are able to support that ministry and so grateful for the way they love on people in that hard situation. Um, Jess and I, when we had Lucy, um, we were praying and planning for it. Um, and then all of a sudden we had a lot of things happen in our life and we we're like, well, maybe it's not the right time. And then we found out we were pregnant and that was stressful and we wanted a baby. And so I, I'm so grateful for this ministry that reaches out and loves people right where they're at. Um, it, we support them as a church, and we want to invite you to support them through, we've got baby bottles out there. You can find out more from, Kim, are you going to be out there? Okay, good. I thought so, but I see you, so I'm going to ask. Um, uh, so you can find out more information about what they do. We also have some people that serve and volunteer in other ways, um, and so there, there are opportunities to get involved there if you're interested. So talk to Kim, um, but we are so grateful for that ministry. Oh, no. I double-clicked, or I clicked right as they clicked. But now, hello, everybody. My name's Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. And today, we are wrapping up our series in Psalm 119. Um, if you've been following along with the 21-day the, um, the reading plan, you've probably noticed there's actually 22 days in it, because today is listed. Um, and I want to tell you, when I first heard we were going to do a reading plan by the author Gary Rohrmeyer, um, one of the first thoughts in my head was, he does 21-day plans. Why is it, how is he going to do a 22-day plan? And you might think I'm silly, but we do a lot of books by him at the start of the year, and I wondered if he was going to shove two days together of Psalm 119, but he didn't. It's a 21-day reading plan with an extra day. Because we're in Psalm 119 right now, and Psalm 119 is this beautiful acrostic poetry built around the Hebrew alphabet, which is 22 letters. Um, in the Hebrew alphabet, um, in Psalm 119, the Hebrew alphabet, each eight verses starts with, uh, the first word of each eight verses starts with the letter coinciding with which unit it's in. So their version of A, B, C, D. Um, Aleph, Beit, a bunch of them, and then we're in Ta today because we're going to be at the end. At one point, I had to have that memorized for school. I am not sad I don't have it memorized anymore, but when I see them, I can make the sounds sometimes. It's like cursive when you see a Z and you're not sure if it's a Z, S, or R, especially if I wrote it. Um, but So there's your Hebrew lesson for today. We're going to be in Ta today, which is... Psalm 119, verses 169 through 176. It's the final unit of the psalm. We're coming to the conclusion where the author 
is he started off this picture of blessed are those, blessed are those who follow the word, and now we're coming to the end, and he's going to pray and conclude everything, and we're going to look at that in a minute, but before we do, I want to remind you of a few things, because we are flying through Psalm 119. The first thing we all need to remember is that Psalm 119 is a conversation between I, the author, and you, God. Um, Psalm 119 is just this wonderful conversation where the author is going to say, God, you are this, and I am this. What about this? And they go back and forth, and they have this conversation, and, and we see it all over the place. And, and what's interesting is that in Hebrew, um, in Psalm 119, I, if you can see this, there's the, this is the pronoun for you, and this is the pronoun for I, and they show up a whole bunch of times. In 176 verses, you shows up 232 times in Hebrew, and I shows up 173 times. If you know language like Spanish or one of the romantic languages, you know, like, um, if I wanted to say I have in Spanish, I could say yo tengo, I have, or I could say tango, and it also means I have. Forgive my pronunciation, because I think I said tango instead of tango. But the point is, is they don't have to say you and I. They can build it into other parts of the verb, but, or other parts of the conversation, but it shows up a whole bunch in Psalm 119. And I also want to point out, I said between I and you, but it's really between you, God, and I, the author, because you shows up more than I. And so Psalm 119 is this beautiful conversation. It's 22 units of eight verses. It's the longest psalm in the Bible, 160 or 176 verses, each set of eight based on the Hebrew alphabet. And the goal of each eight units and of the psalm as a whole is to give us this beautiful picture in this IU conversation of how to dialogue with God about who we are in light of his word. The author over and over is going to say, God, I this, God, you this. And I'm talking like a caveman now because I don't want to give specific examples, but the point is it's this back and forth where it's I and God, you and the author, it's a deeply intimate conversation. As I prepared this sermon and as I've been preparing or prepared last week, one of the things that was really hard is that usually in the Bible, I want to tell everyone, let's not be too individualistic because these passages are communal and, and the church is called to live in fellowship together. Psalm 119, we're called to live in fellowship with it, but we're also called to wrestle individually with this. And I think it's good when we're willing to do that. But the goal is for us to do that in light of the word of God. Um, the best illustration I have of this in this conversation between I and God, if you've ever cooked spaghetti, when the noodles, when you want to know if they're done, according to the internet, you throw them at a wall to see if they stick. I don't do that. I just pull the noodle out and eat it because that's easier. But if, you, if it sticks to the wall, it means circumstances are good, I think. I get the picture or the image of, like, I, it's I, God, or I am, and then you, God, and then I'm throwing things against your word and trying to see if they're going to stick. And not, not because of my opinion, but because I see what your word is, and I want to follow it perfectly, but I know I can't. And so I'm going to just kind of hit myself against it, and I'm going to have dialogue with it, and I'm going to ask questions, and I'm going to see what happens. Kind of like, is the spaghetti going to stick to the wall? My, my better illustration would be throwing an egg at the side of a building, um, but that's not a good thing, so I'm not going to say it today. 
Um, Psalm 119 doesn't just give us a picture of who we are in light of God's word. It also gives us a picture of who he is and how to have a dialogue with him in light of who he is in light of his word. So the psalmist is going to say, God, I see this and I wonder about this and God, you are this. Your word says this and you are this way and it's going to go back and forth. And, and it's important to note when we talk about his word, um, there's a tricky thing that happens in English. Um, and that tricky thing is when we, when we hear his word, we think just about the, the written word of the Bible, which is a big part of it, but, but we're going to see words like commandment and law. And as we start to look at these different words, it can start to feel like, okay, well, that's the Ten Commandments. Okay, that's when it says law. Well, that's all the Old Testament stuff we don't have to worry about. But, but the bigger picture of his word that we're going to see is an all-encompassing picture of how God communicates and reveals himself. Um, in Psalm 119, there, these are the most used nouns and I know you don't have to be able to read them, it's a lot, but these are, the, the most used noun is used 28 times, and, and I've got the top 10 here, and if you get rid of these two, which this one means all or everything, and this one is Adonai or Yahweh, Lord, um, all of the other ones are different ways to talk about the word of God, and they're used, all of them are used roughly around 22 times, which there's 22 letters in the Hebrew Bible. And so we have things like the Torah, which means the direction, instruction, law of the Lord, the word, the, the matter, the, the decisions, the judgments, the claims, the witness, the testimony, the laws, the commandments, the terms, the law, the instructions, the word, the saying. If we, some of these, if we could see all of their meanings, they also have the promises. It's, the goal is this is how God communicates and what we have in his word and what we have as we look at who he is and how he has revealed himself to us. And the point is when we come to this idea of dialoguing with God, we're not just dialoguing with one part of the Bible, but we're trying to dialogue with all of who he claims to be. Now, before we jump into our passage for today, which if you haven't opened your Bible to Psalm 119, starting at verses 169, this would be a good time to do it. But we're going to jump in in a moment, but I want to talk about the word dialogue. When I was young, the way that I read the Bible a lot of the time on my own um, is I would just, um, I'd open it up and I'd read from where there was a heading to where the next heading was. And then I'd be like, all right, I'd all right, God, I prayed today. Let today be a good day. Amen. Or at the end of the day, if I'm being honest, all right, God, I'm sorry I forgot to do this in the morning. I'll try and do it tomorrow morning, but I'm glad I did it right now. Amen. It wasn't really a dialogue. It was I had to cross that off my list. Some of you probably feel this. As I got older, it went from a heading to a chapter. And when it went to a chapter, I loved the early part of Psalms when there's like six verse chapters but then they get longer, and then you go, oh, well, this was a really heavy day. But, but the point is, is I read it as something that I'd just, I'd read through a chunk, and then I'd pray about whatever I was going to pray about, and I'd move on. Um, as I've matured in my faith, something that has happened is I've started to have a dialogue with the Lord, and it's something I would encourage all of you to wrestle with, where, where there have been times where I read something, and I, I go, God, I've seen that in my life. And I'll talk to God about that, and I'll say, God, you, you're saying this, and I see that, and God, this is a good thing. This is really cool. 
I'll also see the opposite. I, as I've grown more and more in the Lord, there's, there's times where I read something and I say, God, I, I see that. You say I'll be blessed if I follow your commandments, but God, I feel like I'm following you well right now and I don't feel blessed. What gives? When I, when I talk about having a dialogue with God, the, the way you know you have a good dialogue with God when you engage in Scripture, and I mean this, it's going to sound kind of weird, but the way you know you're dialoguing well is sometimes you read something in the Bible and you say, God, what gives? And you wrestle with that idea of, I see this is supposed to be true. Your word is true, but either I don't see that in my life or I kind of see that, or God, I don't know if I believe that. And being able to wrestle with that with God is a good thing, but it takes a willingness and a humility to say, God, I I don't know all the things. I'm not just reading this to affirm that I already love you. I'm reading this to get to know you. And so that dialogue is something happening throughout Psalm 119 where the author is saying, God, you are this, I am this. And there's this broad conversation happening where each eight verses is focused on something different. The first week we talked about blessing. The last week we talked about being divided. I don't remember what we talked about the second week, and I'm sorry. But at this point, I hope you see we're going to work on this dialogue, the IU between us and God. And I'm going to try and show you how I've been having that dialogue. And I pray that out of today that you'll wrestle with these ideas on your own. So we're going to jump into our passage right now. But first I want to say our our goal today is we want to look at what does it look like to dialogue with God when he feels far away. And we're going to talk more and more about this as we go. Because some of you out here, as I talk about having a dialogue with God, you might say, I don't think God wants to listen to what I have to say. Others of you say, you know... I know God wants to listen, but I, I've got some stuff I've got to figure out first. Others, you, you, you know, it's the start of a new year, so I don't know where you're at. I'm actually feeling like the Lord, I, I feel very in step with the Lord right now, which has been really cool. My wife and I are just clicking, and we're clicking with the Lord, and we've just been rejoicing in that. But I know the cycle I'm on, where I'll, I'll be doing well, and then I'll, I'll start to kind of let things slide a little bit. And then in a little while, I'll feel bad and I'll think, well, here's all the things that if I do these things, I'll be right with God again. And and I'll get to a point where I'm burned out and I feel like God is far away. And then I think, well, if I would just read my Bible more, then I'd be able to pray to him and he'd hear me. And I go through those cycles all the time. It's embarrassing, but it's true. It's part of the human condition. and, and, And I think it plays out in all of our lives in different ways. I don't know how it plays out for you. I don't know if today you're feeling like you're just close with God, or today you're feeling like God is the furthest thing away. But I pray that as we dig into the passage today, as we conclude Psalm 119, that you'd be able to wrestle with where you're at with God and how to talk to him, whether near or far. I, I didn't fix this between services, so the formatting isn't quite right but we're going to go with it. Um, this is Psalm 119. We're going to start at 169, and it goes to 175, and then we'll, we'll worry about that last verse later. Um, this is an intentional thing, everybody. Um, but I, I'm going to read the passage, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in. This, this is the end of the psalm, the conclusion of these 176 verses about who God is using the complete Hebrew alphabet. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. 
My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we can cry out to you, that we can petition you, and you hear our voices. You hear when our souls cry out. You respond to us. We thank you that that is true. And I pray right now for those sitting out there that, that are feeling far away from you. They, they maybe tried to start the year on a good note, they, and they just already feel like, man, it's winter. It's depressing. It's, it's a hard season. And I, I pray for people in that situation and those who feel close to you. I pray for them. I, I pray for all of us today. I pray for those that don't know you and are wrestling with the idea of, are you really out there? Do you really hear us? Wherever we are at today, Lord, I pray that your spirit would be moving through this message. I pray as we dig into your word, as we dig into the end of this psalm, that we would have a better idea of who we are in light of your word and who you are in light of your word. And I pray you would open our eyes to what you have to say. I pray these would be your words and not mine, and that you would go before this message. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Psalm 119, verse 169, the the beginning of this unit, it begins with the words, let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. This is a petition. He's asking of God that God would hear him. Let my plea come before you. There's shared language across these with a few things different. Um, Deliver me according to your word. Now what's interesting right off the bat, this is our final set of verses. Um, And when I started studying this, um, my cry is not the first word in Hebrew, but my cry is let come before is the first word that's confusing in Hebrew, but my cry is this super vague word. And it's vague because some translators look at this word and say, my cry of anguish. I'm far away from you, Lord. Others read the same word as a cry of jubilation, as a cry of, my hand is cramped because I've just written 170 six verses, and I'm almost done, and I've used all the letters of the alphabet. I've done all the things, and God, I am so excited for this thing I've written. And it really could go either way on its own. And I think the ambiguousness of it is probably on purpose. I could be wrong in that, but from reading different conversations about it, I I feel pretty good saying this could be my cry of joy or my cry of anguish. Or some type of in-the-middle cry. I don't know how you cry in the middle of one of those. But the goal is, let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. The last 21 letters have all, the last 168 verses have all been tied to following the word of the Lord. And if I just understood, and if I follow and understand who he is, the final cry, the plea, the, the closing petition is let me understand your word. Give me understanding according to your word. And then it says, let my plea come before you. Let what I'm saying come before you. Again, there, I think you could go positive or negative or neutral even on this one. And then it says, deliver me according to your word. 
save me according to your word. Um, That second your word is a different your word than the first your word. Um, Very hard to talk about this in English. Um, But your word the first time is pretty clearly your word. The second time it could be your word or it could also be your promise. And you may say, why does this matter? Well, as we've gone through Psalm 119, it's pretty rare that there's repetition of the same, your word, your commands. It's not usually your commands, your commands. Usually there's a little difference. Here there's difference. It just doesn't translate well to English. So there's two asks. The first ask is that you would give me understanding. The second is that you would deliver me. You'd hear me and give me understanding. You'd hear me and deliver me. And then in our next verses, the first thing we see, my lips will pour forth praise for you teach me your statutes. I've, you know, the first ask is that you would give me understanding. That prayer has come before God because he is teaching his statutes. The, person is now, the author is now praising that they're being taught the statutes of God. My tongue will sing of your word for all your commandments are right. I've learned to understand them because you've taught them to me and I know they are all right. So the first petition has been answered. The second petition was that you would deliver me, and right away, let your hand be ready to help me. Deliver me. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. I, I believe we're seeing an answer in these to what the second part of the petition yeah, the, the author is saying, first give me understanding and then save me, help me, be with me, O Lord, deliver me. And, and I want to point out in, in the last two verses, there was the lips and the mouth. And then we see the hand. We, we see a picture back and forth of, of physicalness here where, where we talk about your hand. Um, and then the word soul here. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite nerdy things in Hebrew, um, there's a great Bible project video on this. Um, the word soul in Hebrew is hard to translate to English because of how many different ways it's used. But a Hebrew person reading Psalm 119, when they saw my soul, they would not have relegated it to one part of the person. They would have seen that as the whole being. Um, the the kind of literal translation of that word is the throat. Like, you know, when it says, as the deer panteth towards the water, so my soul longeth after you. Like this part of the person. We've had lips, we've had mouth, and now we've got throat. The whole of me, that's how they would have understood it. Last week, we talked about um, Deuteronomy 6, where it's here, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, or might. Um, And I'm I'm paraphrasing that. But in the New Testament, we see when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? The, The question centers around, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Sometimes we categorize those out as four different things, or three, or two, depending on schools of thought. But for a Hebrew person, when they read soul, let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. The, the picture behind soul is the whole being of the person. It's not just my soul someday when I die my, in heaven. It's the, the whole of who I am now. And so we want to not miss that. But, but we come to this point, and now, now we've looked at all of these verses, and we've seen two petitions, and we've seen the petitions answered. And then I have to tell you something. 
I didn't change this slide because it was intentional. Dun, dun, dun. I'm too, sorry, sorry, everybody. I didn't do that in the first service. I'm glad I did this service because we're recording this service because the first service, something happened with the audio. So anyone who watches this later will get to hear that. The point, though, I cut the bottom off here. You can see it on there. You can't see it on here. But the reason I cut the bottom off is because when you include that last verse, I think it's distracting if we don't think about the context leading up to it first. If you were a Hebrew person and you read through this, the author was using this Hebrew letter ta at the start of each one, and you would have seen this clear pattern, and it would have been at the end of 175 verses that this last verse comes. And it's in this last verse that we're going to try and answer the question, what does it look like to dialogue with God when he feels far away? Because everything here, it feels like God's just going to hear me, as long as I follow him well, but our question is about when we feel far away, and it's this last verse, the end of Psalm 119, that is this beautiful picture, this beautiful picture of someone who can write 175 poetic, beautiful, artistic, complete picture of the word of God and who God is and who we are in light of that, the final line of someone who wrote those first 175 verses is, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. And when you read this, you should say, dude, did you read the last 175 verses? I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. When I read this, I actually, last week after the leadership gathering, I was so excited to start thinking about this week's sermon. I hadn't read Psalm 119 all the way through in a long time, and I was with Kyle Smoot, and I opened to the end of Psalm 119 and read Ta, the final eight verses, and when I read, I have gone astray like a lost sheep, I started giggling, because I was like, what just happened? This is not as triumphant as I thought it would be. This is confusing, and it's not silly. The Bible's not silly, but it's wonderful in a way that I just wasn't ready for. Because the author here is showing a perfect picture of what it means to be a human. And the best way I can explain this and the, the problem with being a human is to talk about the movie Up. And there's a dog in the movie Up by the name of Doug. And Doug in the movie Up is this faithful loyal, seemingly awesome dog and companion and squirrel. And over and over, Doug is supposed to be helpful and squirrel. And he keeps, and all the dogs, it's like a theme. If you haven't seen the movie, it's a wonderful movie. Um, but the, the point is, is that's what this reminds me of, squirrel. Just abruptly, the author goes from, Lord, answer my petition. Lord, all of these things. Lord, be faithful to me. Lord, I will sing you praise with my whole being. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. And there's beautiful drama in these words because the author who wrote the previous 175 verses knows that this is a reality they're going to face again and again on their own. And I think it's beautiful that the end is not, God, I'm going to try harder. It's, God, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. It's a posture of humility. God, I've wandered. I've fallen. Seek your servant. 
Not, I'm going to make it back to you. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Now, I want to tell you throughout, um, I I read a bunch of commentaries and read a bunch of different resources on this verse because I was really curious. And a lot of people talk about the, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. And they say, this cannot mean what we think it means. And they want to change what it means. You may have, you may have resources that do this, because I found some that I was surprised that try and make it go from I've gone astray like a lost sheep to the wicked made me go astray. Because a lot of people say, it can't be this because I do not forget your commandments. So I can't really be astray. But there's not really a lot of room for that type of interpretation here because this whole psalm does not talk or this whole uh, eight verses does not talk about the wicked. This is about the person saying what they will do and what they desire and what they're petitioning God for. And then God, I've gone astray. I meant to do this. I meant to listen. Our daughter Lucy, um, when, when the meal's done for her, the, the rule is we don't make her sit at the table as long as we do because she's a toddler and can't stand it. Um, but, but when she clears her plate, then she has to go in the bathroom and she has to wash her hands. And even if she makes it into the bathroom, the sink never turns on until one of us stands next to the sink with her. She just can't remember that, oh yeah, that's part of my job. Um, and it's, it's wonderful because she's so cute. Um, and she'll say, Daddy, I can't open the door to the bathroom. And I'll be like, oh my gosh. And as I stand up, she opens the door because she just wants me to go in there. But it's so cute. But the, the point is, is I've gone astray like a lost sheep, like a toddler trying to wash their hands. I, I, I've just lost my focus on who you are, Lord. But now I recognize that I've gone astray. In my humility, I'm going to ask you to seek your servant. For I do not forget your commandments. And it's this, for I do not forget your commandments, that I think sheds a lot of light on why. This is just, I I don't think you can say this is, I've gone astray because I've been forced. It's, I have done this. And we do this. We go astray so often. One of the themes of the Old Testament that comes up a lot is that God tells his people, If you will humble yourselves, and if you will call out to me, I will hear you. And when we say, for I do not forget your commandments, you might just be thinking about, I do not forget your commandments. I don't steal, I don't swear, I don't do things on Saturdays for some reason, I don't um, covet my neighbor's wife, I don't, uh, you might be thinking the Ten Commandments, but there's a much broader picture in Scripture of what commandments are. The ten are just the most famous. But the, the point here is when it talks about, for I do not forget your commandments, over and over. If you look in Leviticus, God tells the people in Leviticus 26, hey, you're going to fall. And when you fall, if you will turn back to me, I will restore you and I will bless you. Over and over again, he makes promises to people. that There's so much of the Old Testament and the New Testament because they're all part of one big story where we see that God opposes the proud and lifts up the humble. It is a theme over and over and over. And if we remember that, if we remember the word of God and the way that he does that, then we are going to respond well when we do go astray because it's going to happen. I talked today about, for me, I'm, I feel like I'm in a good season right now. I'm, I'm spending a good amount of time in the Word, and when I'm in the Word, I'm talking to God. I, when I'm driving, I'm, I've, I don't have podcasts on. I'm not listening to music very much. I'm just talking to God a lot, and I, I feel in step with the Spirit, like it says in Galatians and Ephesians, and, and I, I feel like the Lord is just very real to me right now. I feel like we're having good conversations, and I, I feel like that right now, 
And I know what's going to happen in a couple months if I'm not careful. I'm going to forget the word. I'm going to forget something. I'm going to start to feel stresses in my life build up and bubble up. And I'm going to start missing time with the Lord, not because I need to just read my Bible, because it's not just, I read my Bible today, I'm good, like I thought when I was young, but I'm going to stop talking to God as much. And my conversation with God, I, I think in the first service, I joke about this, but when I'm really stressed out, the way you could tell if you could hear my internal prayers is when I sit down to pray for like lunch, I will say, God, bless this food, in your name we pray, even though it's just me. Because I'm just like, okay, I got to get to my next thing. I, I, I get in this rhythm where I've got thing after thing after thing. And I start to go, oh, man, I missed that time with the Lord today. I'll make it up to him tomorrow. Oh, I, I, I missed that time with the Lord this week. I'll get there tomorrow. Oh, I got I to gotta make sure I get some time with the Lord before Sunday because I got to preach. Um, so I'll, I'll get to that Saturday. But the, the point is I, I do these routines. I do these rhythms where what happens is instead of remembering who God is and his word and what he claims about himself, I start to build this narrative that says, if I could just do enough, it would make up for the fact that I've gone astray like a lost sheep. I have a fear of man that comes out regularly where I want people to praise me. And if I'm not watching that, if I'm not in relationship with others in a healthy way, but really if I'm not in relationship with the Lord where I'm talking to him, I start to think I need to do things in order for him to love me. And I go astray because I forget what he has said about who he is. I forget that he calls one of his clear commandments in the Old Testament over and over, is if we will humble ourselves and cry out to him, he will hear our prayer. I struggle with this a lot, and I'm sure a lot of you struggle with this. I, I think the author of Psalm 119, who is a far more mature Christian than any of us, just based on what he wrote and how amazing it is. Oh, he would have been a Jewish person, because he, yeah, so not a Christian. But maybe, a, I don't know how you equate that Old Testament. Not a Christian, Jewish person. He had a better understanding of God than I think we do, minus not knowing about the story of Jesus. But, but he knew that even knowing who God is well, he would keep going astray. And we need to remember that because we will do that on our own if we try and live in our own power. And that's what I do. And I think that's what all of us do when we're not careful. And when we start to be either flippant about our relationship with God or when we don't invest in it, when we don't wrestle with it, when we don't actually dialogue with God. Our starting question was, what does it look like to dialogue with God when he feels far away? And I want to tell you, um, one of the funny things in all of this, we look at this verse, seek your servant for I do not forget your commandments. I, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. I, I talk to our students about this all the time. If you know the attributes of God, if you know the attributes of God, one of the attributes of God is that God is everywhere. So can you be far away from God? No, you can't. You can feel far away from God, and you can keep feeling further and further away from him. And I talk to our students all the time about if we understand God's love and his mercy and his grace, and if we humble ourselves and we cry out to him, the, the promise of scripture over and over is that he will hear that prayer. When we wander, God does not say, you know what, this is the last time I'm going to let them do that. If they, if they call me, I'm just going to hit ignore. I'm going to ghost them. No. 
I have a cheesy joke here. I'm going to try it. He doesn't ghost us. He holy ghosts us. He's given, he's given us his spirit. And I say this not just because, okay, in the Old Testament, when the Psalms were written and when the Psalms were compiled, we lived in a world probably when either the temple was still around or Psalm 119 could have been after the temple was destroyed. It was probably when the temple was still standing, but then the books were put together. It's a long story, but the, the point is Psalm 119, a lot of early church authors attributed it to David as well. We don't have time for that, but um, one of the really interesting things is that in the Old Testament, relationship with God was tied to a specific place, the, the temple, and it was tied to a land with, with God. And, they, and the, the, they'd go to the temple and they'd offer sacrifices. And, and when the tabernacle was built and then when the temple was built, all these Old Testament places, the, the temple was a place where you could go and worship God, where when it was first built, when King Solomon built it, the, the cloud came down from heaven and fire came down and the presence of God filled the temple. And the whole picture we have in the Old Testament was there was a place where the Israelites could go where God would dwell with them, and, and that was the temple. And then we get, to the, the, we get to a point in the Old Testament where we find out that the Spirit of God left the temple, and then we find out the temple got destroyed, and then a new temple was built that wasn't quite as good, and then King Herod made it better, but then we come to the New Testament, and Jesus says, if you destroy this temple... I will rebuild it in three days. And they all laugh at him because they say it would take more than three days. Um, and Jesus was referring to his body, which was the temple. And when Jesus dies, three days later, he rises from the dead. And he then later, because of his death on the cross and because of his resurrection, we see that we've, we, we live in this new reality. And in that new reality, in the book of Acts, the followers of Jesus, as they are praying together, the, the, it's the Pentecost, the Spirit of God descends like a flame and it comes into each and every person. And we have that image that in the Old Testament was the temple is now the people of God. We have become the temple. And if you read Acts 1 through 8 with the imagery of what is the temple supposed to do and what are the people in the temple, the priests supposed to do, what you find is that the apostles who are going into the temple wind up being those who are doing what the temple was supposed to do in the temple, in their homes, all around, because they are now where the God is going to dwell in his people. If you are a Christian today, and you have the Spirit of God in you, it means that you can feel far from God, but you cannot be far from God. It's very hard to believe this when you're in a bad place. And the reason it's hard to be this is because, or do think this way when we're in a bad place is because of our pride. And you may say, it's not pride for me. It's depression. It's anxiety. It's, it's something else. For me, it's pride. I can't prescribe for you, but I, I think at the end of the day, for me, it's pride that makes me think, if I just did enough, I could be back in God's good graces rather than recognizing his love and mercy and grace for me that's already been given. And, and when I feel like I've gone astray, when I remember who he is and what his word has said about who he is in the Old and in the New Testament, when I look across the picture of Scripture, I praise the Lord that when I feel distant, when I feel far, what I need to do is I need to wrestle and humble myself and turn back to him and, because as soon as I do, he is there. And it's not ever that he wasn't there. It's that I was refusing to recognize and remember who he was. And I want to tell you, my, my, my last point before we close, uh, the band's going to come out and we're going to sing a song in a moment. Um, but Psalm 119, the beautiful thing about this psalm, when you come to the end and read this, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commands. 
I think it's this beautiful invitation to reread Psalm 119 and start wrestling through it again. Because as you come to the end, you recognize, I need to not forget your commandments. What are your commandments? Why did I go astray? Well, let me start back at the beginning and start wrestling again with who you are. Because I'm going to go astray. Though I know who you are, I'm going to do my best, but I will go astray on my own again and again. We're going to sing right now. Um, The band is going to come out. I'm going to pray a long time to give them a chance to transition out here, but we're, we're going to sing Come Thou Found, which is my, my favorite part of this song. I asked Bethany if we could do this song this week because it says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, feel it for thy courts above. And to me, it's just a beautiful way as we think about the end of Psalm 119, because even as I know on my own in my own power, I will fall away again and again. I've been sealed by the Spirit with Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you that you are all-knowing. You have all power. You are everywhere. We thank you that you are just. We thank you that you are a God of wrath and that you will not allow sin to be eternal. We thank you that you are unchanging, that in, in my fear from the perspective I am a human and I change all the time. I thank you that you will never change. You will never let your word change. You will follow through on what you have said. Your promises are true because you are faithful. I thank you that I can rest in that truth even as I struggle to believe it sometimes. I I pray, Lord, for each person here as they leave, that they would be wrestling with you, that they would be having a dialogue with you, that in the areas where they struggle to believe what your word says, that they would rest on your promises, that they would trust in what you have claimed, and that they would just keep leaning into your word more and more. I thank you that your son, Jesus, came and he died, that his blood would be a sacrifice for our sin, and he rose to show us that that death is not the end. We thank you that the lamb was resurrected. We thank you that your spirit came and lit the flame, that the church was born, that we today worship you because of your son's resurrection and the work of your spirit since then. We pray that you would go before each of us. And I I pray, Lord, for myself that I'm experiencing a good season right now. And Lord, I pray that I would not take that for granted that I would not find myself forsaking you, but that I would follow after you in truth. I pray for those who are far away right now, that they would take heart, they would humble themselves, and they would cry out to you. And I pray for those who maybe don't know you. If they don't know you, Lord, I pray that today they would humble themselves enough to call out to your name. I pray that each of us would know whatever season we are in, that you hear us. And I pray we would cry out to you and that we would trust in your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's rise together one more time in body or spirit and respond in worship. Let's cry out to Christ Jesus. Oh,
today, I pray you'll wrestle through that last part of Psalm 119, recognizing that we wander and wrestling with what it looks like to humble ourselves and to move back towards the Lord. And I want to tell you one of my favorite things about the Bible is the deeper and deeper I get into it and the more I study it, the more I rejoice that I'll never master it. Like this psalmist who knows he wanders And at the end, the invitation is to start over. And so I'm going to read the first eight verses again, and then we'll be dismissed. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. If we humble ourselves, he will never forsake us. And if we lean on his words, we don't need to wander. Go in peace.